everybody, this is Chad in the I Want to Know podcast, a kick-ass podcast. I overpronunciate that just for Eric. He gets mad at me when I do it wrong. I'm here today with my new friend, Michelle Carr. She's a local realtor. She uh, co-started um, or co-founded Airdrie Angels. She's a business mentor, public speaker, woman in business. We go on and on. How's it going, Michelle? It's great. Thank you. You're super adventurous. Apparently, it's, it's quite a list of things I, I do. Yeah, I'm the, the best uh, internet stalker out there. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, how long have you been in Airdrie? My whole life. Really? You yeah. Born, you were one of five, yeah, maybe six people? Yeah, me and people? my friends. No. <laughs> That's it. Well, I was six months old when my parents moved here. Mm. So, technically, I am not born and raised. Uh, Kip, who's another agent on our real estate team, Literally was born and raised in Airdrie. Yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll give you the pass at yeah, six months. I mean, pretty close. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, my parents moved here uh, when I was six months old. It was right after the Tower Lane Mall had originally opened. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm the same age as the Tower Lane Mall, and uh, it's had a facelift. I have it's not. completely changed. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so grew up here, and then I lived in Calgary for a couple of years, like after high school and stuff, but yeah. when I decided to buy a condo, Airdrie, we are always cheaper than Calgary, Yeah. Um, but it just made sense to come out here, and then I ended up getting into real estate, so it was the perfect move. I didn't know I was making... You know, a year time, before, yeah. Yeah. We uh, we moved out here in 2004. Okay. And so we've been here 15 years, I guess. Wow. 15 year anniversary. Yeah, congratulations. But there is like, no, I have a theory about Airdrie because there's a little bit of like, we know about the domestic abuse that happens here mm. that is really, really high. Um, but there seems to be a little bit of a lack of community here compared to some other neighborhoods that we've been to. And I think it's because nobody in Airdrie is from Airdrie. It's a bedroom community. We just come out here to sleep and eat and then we all go home. Yeah, it's interesting because, uh, I mean, I think we do have a lot of people that, um, do commute to Calgary, but our numbers are showing, we also have a lot of people that commute to Airdrie for really? work. Yeah. From like your Canna, Crossfield, Carstairs, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't subscribe to bedroom community. I'm, I'm, we are Airdrie. We are our own city. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, this is years of grooming, obviously, but yeah, no, but, uh, I, I think you have to work to create and build and maintain community. I agree. And that's, a lot of what motivates what we do in the community because it's important. And, you know, I remember growing up and literally knowing the person, you know, cashing you out at Safeway or the teller at the bank. And it was the same person or people for years. And there was a sense of safety around that. Yeah, for sure. Because you, you know you're in a safe place and you're comfortable and it's your people every time you go in. Yeah. Um, you know, and we get more services and more banks and everything like that, all the things, but we still have to make sure that we work to maintain a sense of community, even yeah. if it's just like asking the person that is, you know, checking your groceries through for you about their day. You yeah. know, you can build community that way. For sure. The You go to Calgary, which has got a million people, and mm-hmm. they have some great communities there that, um, you know, I, I've worked in and, and been part of. And you're just like, this place is amazing. Yeah. Like, Mackenzie Town is one that comes to mind. I have cousins that live in, uh, actually, it's Presswick, but it's essentially Mackenzie yeah, Town. it's a great um, spot. And every time we go over there, he's got three or four neighbors over at his house. They're all hanging out. Or I got to go to his neighbor's house to get my cousin. Or, like, it's just, it's it's part of their community. Yeah. They just all hang out. And we're... we're 
we're the young family in a golf community. Yes. So like all of our neighbors, most of our neighbors are like 65, mm-hmm. 70 years old, plus um, some retired police. Uh, I don't know if he's retired yet. He's a police officer anyways, but okay. he's definitely up there in age. So we know who they are, but we don't really hang out with them. This is a different generation. Yeah, yeah. I and bet you if you went over to uh, Williamstown, it'd be a lot more community. Yeah, and that's the thing too, because we, Airdrie really exploded in population in the 2000s, right? And then we built all of these communities. obviously to accommodate them and uh but our population like our greatest population uh, i'd have to double check the last census but it was zero to nine like we could literally have been taken over by five-year-olds because there were that (laughs) many of them (laughs) but then the next group was like either 25 to 35 or 30 to 40 something like that so it's literally young families yeah and when you're building all these new areas and they gravitate towards that, you get really interesting communities there. But yeah. when you look at some of the older areas, it's a bit of a different mix, as you said, right? You have yeah. people that have been here for 20, 30 years. And then you also have people that are newer to the neighborhood with younger families. So it's a bit of a different mix. Well, I think I have three families across the street from me that all bought their houses brand new. Really? These, these were bought, built in 92, 93 yep. area uh, around there. And uh, yeah, they all bought them brand new. We're only the second owners of this house. Really? Yeah, there's only one other person. I remember when they built Woodside. And when people moved out there, it was like, you live all the way out there. <laughs> oh, man. And, and we walked to Old Town We'll walk down to Safeway or the Dollar Store. Whatever. It's all relative, <laughs> right? But like back in those days, like 8th Street was a gravel road. And oh, wow. well, and you make yourself sound really. I old. know, I know. It's just Airdrie's developed very quickly, people. Yeah. Very quickly, fastest growing city in Canada, it like is. nine years in a row yeah, or something, something like, like stupid that. Stupid amount. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, there was a when Eighth Street was a gravel road because you there is a bridge. You, you can't really tell it's a bridge anymore because it's just the road. Yeah, but it goes over the creek, and at one point it was, it wasn't level, right? It was a bit of a hill. Okay, but. If you chose a speed that was fast <laughs> enough, one could get air. Not that I ever tried that. I that's hope my illegal. mom's not listening. I would never <laughs> do that. But uh, that's what I heard. Yeah, Anyways, yeah, yeah. but you know, now 8th Street's just the thoroughway as, as, uh, as it is. Yeah. Calgary, yeah. Yeah, you know what? We I think when we moved out here, there was about nine or 10,000 people in Airdrie, and I think we're sitting at 88, 89,000 right now. Uh, I think we're just over 70, but I, okay. I could be incorrect. I Yeah, I have to, I'd have to look It's crazy how fast mm-hmm. it grows. So every time I look, I'm like, really? We're that much higher again? So, um, But yeah, there's a lot of people here for sure compared mm-hmm. to what it was uh, 10 years ago or 15 years ago, I guess. So yeah. I love Airdrie. I really do. And we... I bash it a little bit because of some of the problems we have here. And it's more me bashing the problems than bashing the yeah. town itself because yeah. I, I really enjoy Airdrie. Yeah. It's funny. My I grew up most of my life moving around different cities. I oh, went to okay. 13 different schools before I hit high school. Wow. And like my parents just followed work everywhere in Western Canada. Okay. And so my wife kind of went through something similar and we thought, well, let's just buy a house and just stay there. Like yeah. this, give our kids some stability. And they're mm-hmm. all... Every other year, they're like, can we move? Can we get a new house? I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> We're trying to give you We're what we didn't you- <laughs> have, and now you want what I did have. <laughs> exactly. So uh, much so, we even went back east to look for, uh, we looked at a business and to possibly move into wow. uh, Nova Scotia, but, uh, um, and it's gorgeous there. It, oh, it, Beautiful. I, I, I don't know. Have I said this on the podcast before about Nova Scotia? It is my new favorite summer holiday. Like, mm. I, It's got better beaches than Mexico. 
The really? Food, oh, go to Picto, Nova Scotia. Okay. Um, they have all these really old hotels and bed and breakfasts there. And they've got sandy beaches. Go to my Instagram. I posted them all. Um, these amazing uh, pictures of these sandy beaches. Uh, um, I say wildlife. Sea critters everywhere. Wow. Starfish, jellyfish, huh. snails. Um, it is absolutely gorgeous. It was like 25 degrees every day we were there. Oh, amazing. It was, it was better than Mexico. Wow. Yeah. Not that I'm bashing on Mexico. Where are you from originally? Uh, Born in Vancouver General Hospital. Okay. And my parents moved all over the mainland. So Vancouver, Burnaby, Coquitlam, Abbotsford, Surrey. I spent sort of my formative years in Surrey. I went to Frank Hurt Senior Secondary. Right in the middle of the hood of Newton, uh, all the uh, the gang members and the fights and <laughs> for, I just for kept can, a straight line. For uh, no, <laughs> uh, for, for uh, Canadian gangs, as 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 it were, they're probably not like LA gangs or anything. Well, but yeah. I seem to remember it being probably rougher than it was. <laughs> we had this. Um, so when I was in grade. I think grade nine, we had this huge influx of uh, influx of uh, immigrants that moved in uh, to it. So we went hmm. from a predominantly white school yep. to uh, probably I went to with from grade ten and eleven. It went to about fifty fifty. Then by grade twelve, I was a minority in the school. Wow, um, which was as a dumb, ignorant teenager, it was difficult, right? And I'm sure as all these new families were moving into this new country and new town and new city, they were finding it difficult. So it was always the white kids against the brown kids um, is is sort of what I grew up in uh, doing. And so we, we fought the brown kids and the brown kids fought us. And (laughs) I I don't have any, any ill will towards them at all. It was just stupid teenager stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, I, I grew up in Surrey, and then I moved to Kelowna, and then I moved out here, and so, and then I found my home. This is it. Nice. Surgery. Oh, well, we're glad to have you. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to be here. Uh, so, what you were talking about? Uh, you bought a condo out here, and then went into real estate. Mm-hmm. What What drove you into real estate? Uh, my dad. So okay. my dad was a realtor for. 23 years, I want to say, 24. Um, so he, when we moved to Airdrie, he, my grandfather, want to really go back here, uh, started the Airdrie Echo oh, wow. originally Very in cool. Airdrie. So my dad and my uncle were out in Airdrie. My dad moved out to Airdrie and he was working on the paper with my grandpa. Okay. And, um, you know, after a little while, I was like, okay, hey, I don't think newspaper business is for me. So he left and went into real estate. So I have no actual memories of my dad doing anything else but real estate. Yeah. I, I was probably three or four when he started. So, um, step up your maybe. game, eh? Yeah. Like, yeah. Come on, get back. <laughs> exactly. <in. laughs> get those memories. But, um, yeah. So he was in real estate my whole life and he kind of approached me and said, you know, would you ever consider, getting into real estate. And I was like, no, that sounds so boring. (laughs) (laughs) And I was working for WestJet at the time, which was an incredible, it still is an incredible company. Yeah. But um, like I thought, I'm like, I have a maid here. Like we get profit sharing. And my dad was like, okay, well, you know, real estate's awesome too. And if you work hard, you can do well and all that kind of stuff. And I wasn't sure. So he kept kind of bringing it up and I decided, okay, you know what? I'm going to go to the intro course where they give you kind of the high level view of what to expect in real estate. Yeah. And I said, I'll go check that out. If I like it, I'll get my license. And if I don't, I'm done. 
And I went to the course and I literally called him from the parking lot and was like, <laughs> I'm in. I was like, this isn't boring. This is super fun. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I did the course and uh, was licensed a few months later. So That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not very many people follow in the footsteps of their parents anymore, right? Yeah. And, like to learn a trade and to bring or to take it on to the next generation. It's definitely, I think, more unusual than usual yeah. these days. So, and it was great because he, at the time, he was was the uh, president of the Canadian Real Estate Association. So he had done various volunteer roles within the Calgary Real Estate Board and then went on to the Canadian Real Estate Board. Very cool. Which is awesome, but it takes a lot of travel to be able to do that properly, which is also partly why he wanted to bring me on. And he had a partner as well at the time, Frank. So the whole idea was that we can work together. So if he is away his business is being covered and cared for and I can learn, learn the trade. And I always say it was baptism by fire because it was Oh yeah. six. The yeah. market was crazy. Literally. I remember I was putting my first listing up and he said, is your phone charged? I'm like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I think so. Like, that's a weird question. Yeah. And he said, okay, cause it's going to start ringing. It's not that easy, dad. And it literally did. Wow. It was just like as soon as you put something on the market, there was 50 buyers for that one house. Well, there was no houses available back then. That was then. a thing. We just didn't have any inventory. So it was, you know, you'd be showing a house, there'd be a lineup of people waiting outside to come in yeah. and look at it after you. And, you know, you're writing offers on the kitchen counter while you're looking at it. And you're like, did anyone look upstairs? No, it's fine. Let's just write the offer. Like, not quite, but... <laughs> I, I had my buddy. He sold his house in 2007 in uh, Calgary and uh, not Bear Spa, Bearberry um, in the Northwest there. Um, I think it's on Bearberry Crescent or something like that. Um, But they literally had three people do viewings like 10 minutes apart Mm -hmm. and all three of them placed an offer in the same hour and they got in a bidding war and he ended up getting almost 40 grand more than his asking price on the house, which was already like an enormous amount, like Mm -hmm. way more than it should have been. And so uh, then he moved out to um, Rocky View, bought an acreage and no one was buying acreages at the time. Everyone wanted to be in the city. Yeah. So yeah, he he made a killing on it at the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's been a crazy economical time mm-hmm. for Alberta for the last eight years, 10 years. Yeah. 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 Big part of it is the real estate market for sure. Mm-hmm. So is that how you met your husband? And I always get your husband's name wrong. Is it Matt or Dave? Matt. Oh, yeah. I was, I had it right this time and I was <laughs> questioning myself. Yeah. No, Matt. So yeah, we, we actually were taking our real estate course at the exact same time, okay. but I was doing evenings and weekends cause I was still working for WestJet. And Matt was doing the three-week Monday to Friday 9 to 5 course. So we actually both got licensed in April of 06, and we literally started a week apart. Wow. So we, every Tuesday they do what's called Realtors Tour. Yeah. So we go and look at the new listings that have come on the market, or some of them anyways. And um, so I saw Matt on the tour, and I was, you know, Obviously, Smitten. called my girlfriends. Was like, oh, there's this boy and he's cute. <laughs> and uh, did you have that accent back then too? Yeah, 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 hundred <laughs> percent. And uh, yeah, I actually ended up emailing him because the, the board offered additional courses for newer agents, mm-hmm. and I wanted to know if he'd taken any of them or what he thought. And we started emailing back and forth, and then we decided to meet. He was out for drinks with some friends and invited me to join and. I invited him to a barbecue the next day, and 
the rest is the history. rest is history. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, my my story uh, of meeting Nicole was similar to yours getting into real estate. I was in a um, dating service. We both that's how we met was through a it's not an online one. It was back when you had to go and fill out the paperwork. Oh and wow! Would match you. I think it was called matchmakers or love match or something like that. Okay. I can't remember. But it was like a crazy, expensive, crazy, mm-hmm. uh, like, I don't know, two hour interview. And like, it, it was in depth. Yeah. It worked, obviously. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I met, uh, I talked to Nicole three or four times on the phone. And then we, she says, are you ever going to ask me on? I'm like, you want to go for coffee? And then we met at uh, a Starbucks in uh, Calgary. And I walked out of Starbucks and I phoned uh, actually an ex-girlfriend, but a really good friend of mine in Kelowna. I said, I found my wife. And she's like, bullshit. And I'm like, no, I found my wife. And like... I don't know, six months later, we were living together, and a year and a half later, we were married, and wow. had babies on the way, and, yep. and that was uh, 15, 16 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Matt and I got engaged two months, two and a half, three, I don't know, something like that. Like, we kind of started officially dating in June. We were engaged by the end of August. Yeah. And then we got married the following July, and our son was born the next one, and our daughter was born two summers later, so. Yeah. It's, it's just, just boom, boom, boom. 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 <laughs> That's <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. We were the same thing. 2004, we got married in the backyard. December 2004, we had our daughter. 2007, January, we had our son. So like two years and a month apart. Yeah. Bought a house, started a business, and it was guns a-blazing mm-hmm. ever since. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, hey? I know. So what, what for people that uh, don't know what a day-to-day life for a real estate agent is, what's it like? You know, the biggest misconception is that it's all weekends and evenings. Yeah. And it's it's really not. I mean, yes, I do work some weekends and some evenings, but not. it's not a constant. You know, it depends on the day. That's one thing that I like about real estate is that you never know what is going to happen in a day. So you have to sort of build some structure in, in the mornings kind of thing with getting back to clients or sending emails or doing the kind of the back end paperwork. The thing is it's running a business too. Like you're selling real estate and working with clients, but you marketing, exactly. Accounting, all of that kind of stuff still has to get done. So it's fitting in that kind of work and the preparation work, you know, in the daytime or first thing. And then, you know, going and showing houses in the evening or late afternoon. Um, yeah. But everyone's schedule is different too. You know, you we kind of assume that everyone's sort of nine to five, but they're they're not always, no, right? No, no. Well, so. We find that at work too. So I set up uh, appointments for our estimators mm-hmm. as part of what my role is. And, you know, out of a hundred people, you might get one that says, oh, it has to be in the evening. Yeah. And then I'll ask them what it is and if it's important, we'll go, but... Most of the time, it's like, no, 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 you can find a place nine to five to get this done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, you know what, it's it's kind of average work hours as well. But because you do, you know, you can end up going out on a Saturday for six hours showing houses. Yeah. One of the perks is you get to go to Costco on a Wednesday morning when no one else is there. So, <laughs> you know, you, you trade off. And to me, like, this is, you know, pretty much not all I've known in my adult life, you know, obviously working in West, it was structured time and stuff, but you learn to take the the good with the bad, if you will, you know, yeah, you might be out late, might want to go to bed or whatever, but you've got an offer on the table. Okay. Well, it is what it is. You just keep working. And then 
the next day maybe you can sleep in, you know, a few minutes later and yeah. go to Costco if you need bread or whatever. <laughs> if uh, there was a perfect job out there, everyone would want to do it, right? Just exactly. Just find the ones that fits for your exactly. family. Um, so that must have moved you into the um, business mentoring then, mm-hmm. being in real estate for as long as you were. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I actually um, stepped away from real estate for a couple of years and I bought an existing franchise business that was in town. And, um, when I bought that, uh, the smart start program was up and running. I think they were in their third year at that point in time. And so I had applied to be an entrepreneur in the program. Um, obviously I had a lot of business knowledge and background from being in real estate, but this is a little bit different. And, you know, there were elements that I hadn't necessarily learned a lot about. So I thought it would benefit from the program and I was accepted into it. So I went through that. Um, I ended up closing the business. Um, partly, I don't want to say largely because of Smart Start, but I don't think I would have. I don't think I would have approached with the same mindset if I hadn't been through Smart Start, and I had an excellent mentor. Um, and yeah, so a couple years later I said, you know, this is a great thing to give back with. And I'd had experience, you know, running a business that was based in service, running one that was based in product and, you know, obviously living in Airdrie and all that kind of stuff. So I thought it was, that's a great way to give back. And and I love helping people with that kind of stuff too. So are you still doing the smart start or that's the one that is shut down? Um, no. So smart start was just the mentorship program that I did, right. but the business is shut down that I was doing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I've, this is my second year as a mentor for the program. So, okay. um, yeah, and I have these two great gals, Kayla and Morgan, and they have uh, smile and co, which is a dental temp agency. Oh, wow. So I had no idea this was a market. I'm like, I try and floss my teeth more than once a week. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's my that's, that's what I know about dentistry. Um, but yeah, they, they saw a gap in the market where, you know, dentists would scramble. If someone calls last minute, they can't come in. There's no good system. Yeah. There might be a Facebook page or what have you, but they need a system for getting good people in on short notice. And that's what they created. So I I did a quote for a dentist that did that. So he didn't want to have a practice. He didn't want to be tied down. So he's like, ah, just people call and I go and do the work when they can. And, you know, I fill in for holidays and everyone in town knows who I am and and I'm a good dentist. I just don't want the pressure of running a business. And he goes, I actually make more money subbing than I would running my own business and hiring accountants and building a building. And like, so he, he was, uh, yeah, really smart to, to be able to do it in that fashion. But, yeah. Uh, those guys make stupid money. I know. Holy. I'm trying to get my kids into dentistry. I, I would agree wholeheartedly. Like, if you can stand staring into someone's mouth yeah. for nine hours a day, we well, don't even have to. My um, uh, my banker, uh, her son-in-law is mm-hmm. a dentist, and she's a, an Indian lady, uh, East Indian lady, and she's like super hard worker. Like she's yeah. two, three hours extra overtime every oh, day. Wow. She never get like, she's just diligent um her son-in-law works like 20 hours a week makes like 300 grand a year and she's like why would he work more like just and i'm like some people just don't want to work that hard <laughs> I mean, if you're making that much i mean do you, do you need to right work yeah <laughs> i mean so yeah you get an extra two hundred thousand dollars a year and yeah what yeah anyways i'd probably be the, the guy working the extra hours I think. <laughs> <laughs> i'm down stop all the time anyway so oh, man yeah so what, what's it like mentoring people like how's that like if you were mentoring me for our podcast business. It's, well, it's, it's really fun. Yeah. Like just first, it's fun. 
Um, and it's, it's a great challenge because each business has different things that they're trying to do or different outcomes. But I mean, I think a lot of it usually comes down to how are you going to get the word out there? Um, you know, and and get people coming into your business or calling you to buy your products or listening to your podcast or whatever. Marketing is so important. Marketing is a huge, huge piece of it. But before that, I say to people, you know, you've got to know what you're about. What is your mission statement? What is your vision for your, for your company? What values do you hold? And I learned that when I worked for WestJet because we had our mission, vision, value cards on our lanyards. Yeah. I didn't pay much attention to it at the time. I just thought it was like a thing WestJet did. Like, I really had no idea. I was like 17 when I started there. And um, I realized later on, like, that's an incredibly important part of having a business. So knowing what you're about and what you stand for. I'll take it one step further and say it's important for life. Absolutely. Because I think not enough people set goals. Mm -hmm. We're we're doing financial peace together. And if you don't have a financial goal, what are you... Like, where's the money going? You're just letting it flow in and out and whatever happened. Exactly. Like, you know, we have to have these goals. Yeah. And we didn't get it until my 40s, unfortunately. It just didn't come up in that family that understood that. Uh, but now I've started implementing it at work uh, with my staff. Like, yeah. I want them to be goal-driven people. Yeah. And I, I think that's really important. You have to You have to know where you're going or you won't know when you get there. I think that's a famous quote from someone smart, but I, I can't remember that. who. <laughs> but that, I mean, that's, that's the thing of it, right? So I, I, I do spend time, especially in the beginning, kind of encouraging them to establish that yeah. and what you're about, because then every decision can be measured against that. Right. So if, you know, if your vision is to become, you know, a, a globally listened to podcast, well, what kind of behaviors and decisions support that vision? Right. right? And it sh- I think it's easier to make a plan and yes. to make decisions going forward once you have that established. And, and it speaks into everything, your marketing, yeah. you know, if this is your brand, then what does that brand look and sound like? How is that in alignment with what you have a vision for, your mission statement? Right. And if it's not, then that's where you got to go back to square one. But everything mm. stems from that. So, And I think as, as a whole, the, the community or the, yeah, the just normal people don't set goals on anything. And then they start businesses and go, oh, why didn't it work? Mm. And it was actually one thing that I wanted to talk to you about was yeah. that we've had a lot of businesses shut down in Airdrie yes. in the last couple of years. And they seem to be mostly the mom and pop shops and the local mm-hmm. people that are working really hard. And then, of course, you know, the, the Montana's or the Boston Pizza comes in and yeah. just smashes them. Yeah, And I think that's where everyone's blaming it. But I don't know if that's true. I think I think each situation's a bit different, to be quite honest. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing I will say to the the mentees that I work with is the numbers don't lie. Mm-hmm. And that was the lesson I learned when I had the other business was you gotta be real. Like yeah. you can want something to work all day long. <laughs> right. But if the numbers aren't there or if you have to work seventy five hours a week, right. Uh, I'm pretty sure yeah, that doesn't exist. Right? <laughs> right. Right? So like you have to be realistic about what it yeah. financially takes to do the business. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think it's all different stuff. I think you look at each individual business that's had to close and there's different elements that contributed to it. Um, you know, and there's lots of movement right now for support local, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think we need to really talk about what local means though, too, because mm-hmm. local can be 
a citizen opening a business that like take Hayloft, for example, they were all about local farmers, local food. Han, the owner knew his farmers that he got the food from, like knew them. Um, so they really were a locally based business, lives in Airdrie, all that kind of stuff. But you look at something like, um, let's say Montana's, that's also owned by two local people. Right. They just bought a business. It's a franchise model, but yeah. it's no less local in the sense of ownership. Canadian Tire, another one owned by local people. Exactly. And, and there's so many like that. And I think sometimes people dismiss the franchise model because yeah. it doesn't feel local. But you have to question it more. It might not be. I'm not saying yeah. they all are, but a lot of them are owned by people that are local in our city, and they're employing people right. who are in our city. Exactly. Maybe their agreements with the franchise don't allow them to necessarily source from a local farmer, or there's other idiosyncrasies around that. Yeah. But if they're maybe bringing in, <clears throat> excuse me, like a beer from one of our local breweries. Yeah, which we have a pile of right I now. I know. <laughs> I wish I liked beer more. <laughs> but I think there's lots of ways to be local and be yes. conscious and aware. And I also think it's about being positive. Yeah. And I think in this social media era, there is a lot of negativity that can happen and businesses can get taken down by comments and the business yeah. owner may not even know that it's going on if they're not part of that group. Airdrie Moms was famous back in the day. Mm. I don't think it's running anymore, but it's a Facebook page yeah. where four or 5,000 moms were mm -hmm. on there and they shut down businesses all the time. Yeah. Someone would go on there and start ranting and the next thing you know, no one's going to that business. Everyone's buying right. into it, right? And right. you have to be, you look at... Um, uh, all fits auto here in mm -hmm. town, bread fed. Yeah. What a great guy. Yeah. You know, if Fantastic. anyone has a complaint, he goes online and says, Hey, here's my personal cell phone number or here, call me call Monday. Me. I'll look at your car personally. Yeah. Like let's not yeah. let this go bad. But other yeah. businesses that aren't, you know, strong in social media or don't understand how it works yeah. or, or aren't positive. Yeah. Those things are going to, like, I mean, how many of these kids' playgrounds, uh, indoor playgrounds have been shut down in yeah. the last five years, mm -hmm. probably three or four? Yeah. Those can't be cheap to set up. No, no. You know, you're looking at hundreds of thousands of dollars. Exactly. And I, I think, too, you know, uh, uh, people are going to have negative experiences, and that's yeah. totally fine. It's it's how it's dealt with that's 100%. the issue. Yeah. And if we're just airing dirty laundry on social media, that's not really fair because there's three sides to every story, to be quite honest. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I think so we have to we have to be careful about how we're dealing with anything that's a negative thing. But we also have to be encouraging too. oh, you should check out this place or check out that place and kind of check ourselves. Like right. when we're talking to a friend about a recent experience, are we making a choice to talk about a positive one or a negative one? Yeah. And they know statistically people are more likely to talk about a negative experience. Yeah but we can each individually make the choice ourselves right. and we can choose to be positive. And I think we have to be careful not to paint everything with the same brush. Like even Airdrie moms, I'm sure that that group was full of fantastic women working to raise yes. their children, looking to build a network in a community that took no part in any of that stuff. Yeah. But there's a bad apple in every bunch, right? Or and that poor a bushel group, of bad apples. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> and and I, you know, part of me thinks, oh man, like there's probably a lot of women that are maybe getting painted negatively, yeah, when it wasn't necessarily them, and and there's that's a bit of a mob mentality too, right? Totally, totally. So I think, <laughs> and not at the just end for women. Day, Don't get me wrong. Oh, hundred no, hundred percent. Yeah, but that's the thing. We all have to kind of take a breath, take a beat, yeah, and 
consider our own experience, what's important to us. And like, it's like if you go to a restaurant and you don't like something, well, it doesn't mean it's bad. It just means you don't like it. My, yeah. my husband used to always say that, like, just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it doesn't fit your taste buds or your That's palate. Right. I have the perfect story for that. Mm. One, one of our beliefs, if we have a negative experience, you talk to the owners or the managers, you mm-hmm. don't talk about it online. And uh, I can say this now because Hayloft is shut down, but we had a, a negative experience there. Oh. Um, and uh, so we went and talked to them and they were super polite and uh, um, pleasant. They, they wrote off the meal, says, no, 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 we don't want you to pay. And I'm like, well, my meal was really good. It was just my wife's wasn't. So let me pay for my meal and dessert. Yeah. And, and so we worked it out and I'm not trying to break anybody and we're not the complainer type. I like everything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so my wife just happened to get not so great meal, which happens. Yeah. The best cook in the world puts a crappy meal out every once in a while. Yeah. But we didn't get online and start bashing no. like, oh, Han sucks and his yeah. chefs are Mm-mm. awful. And then, you know, we're like, you know what? Thank you. This is this is the issue we're having, yeah. and they totally cleared it up. So well, it was he, handled well. The thing is, too, I believe that most business owners want to know because that's yeah. how they improve. I tell my customers all the time, like if there's a complaint, I want to fix it. Mm-hmm. I hate having to fix it, but I want to exactly. And so don't don't go complain to anyone else. Phone and complain to me, and then when you're happy, some yeah. of our reviews for the company that I manage um, are our worst mistakes, but we handled them well. Yes. And so people are like, "Oh, they messed up this, this, and this, but this is how they handled yes. it." And we're like, "Yeah." Well, and you don't know what you don't know, right? Right. And I know, like, I know Han would would have been incredibly grateful for you to have that honesty with him, so he could. Yeah make it right, right, you know? And and sometimes too, like if they're running a bigger business, you've got lots of staff, you you can't see yeah. everything. You yeah. just can't, you yeah. know? So I think I think it's important that we handle that in, in a productive way. And I think we can, yeah. you know? There, there's a thing in, in business where you have to treat it almost like uh, the military, right? Like there's only certain information that the general or the admiral needs, right? Mm-hmm. The, the private only complains up, right? And then all the positive stuff goes down the other way. Uh, we got someone at the door. Don't worry about it. We'll let them go away. <laughs> what if they're selling cookies? I'm sure they're selling cookies. <laughs> you want to you look out the window and see what it is? They either want bottles or they're selling cookies. Yeah. <laughs> Do it super secretly so they don't know we're looking. Go to this Is it side. cookie sellers? I think. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah, we'll just not answer the door. <laughs> this is the joy of having a podcast studio in your own home. Hey, it works. It's either dogs barking or mm. someone coming to the door or my teenager stomping around to the kitchen. Yeah, you know. <laughs> it's all good. It's life. Um, yeah, so in in that model, mm-hmm. by the time a complaint goes from a private to a major mm-hmm. to, I don't know, military stuff, whoever's next, and then to the general... Um, it's not the same complaint, Mm-mm. right? And so they don't get the full view of what's going on. And you have to have systems in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his name? Lee? Nope. Can't I was going to say Lee Major because you said Major. That's totally <laughs> not who you're talking about. <laughs> no, he's a, he's a Christian guy that does a, a business podcast um, about running churches. And oh, okay. he'll, he'll specifically, um, because he's the lead pastor and he runs almost everything, he has meetings with just the volunteers. None of the mm. leads are allowed to be there. Just the volunteers can be there. And then they all get to voice what's going on directly yeah. to him. And then he can go to his leads and say, these are some problems I see happening. I do the same thing at work. I take all of my helpers mm-hmm. and I have a meeting with just them. 
Yeah. And then I have my leads and I do a meeting with just them. And then we have the whole staff meeting. And so it seems like there's too many meetings, but the information when I just mm. had a staff meeting wasn't the same when you take the helpers aside. You go, yes. listen, how's your day going? Yeah. And they're like, oh, my leads are no, 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 no. Yeah. And you're like, all right, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get to solve all these problems yes. separately without hurting anyone's feelings yeah. or stepping on toes. Yeah. So. And I mean, communication, it's, it's ironic to me that we are so over-communicated too yeah. and that we over-communicate as much as we do with social media, texting, email, phones. Like we have every possible way to communicate. Yet somehow the communication structure gets broken when it's about fixing things. And right. I don't know, I guess maybe somewhere along the line we forgot how to have a difficult conversation in a constructive way. Different generations, right? Mm -hmm. So I I look at it sort of like Netflix, Mm -hmm. is that sometimes you'd flip on Netflix and you cannot, there's 6,000 movies to watch, but you can't pick one. Mm -mm. That's what it's like when you're trying to communicate. Like there's all these different methods, right? Can I text my boss? Oh, maybe he's not going to get the right right understanding of what I'm trying to say if I text. And if I come in and interrupt him in this day, he's going to be angry. Like there's there's just too many ways to Mm. communicate now. So you have to set up systems going... This is how I want complaints to come in. And yeah. We, we did it at work. We put a cardboard complaint box or and we didn't call it complaint. It was like, like how to improve the company yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And then we cut the bottom out of the, the cardboard box and set it over a garbage can. Just kidding. We didn't really do that. That's kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's put all your complaints in there. Yeah. And they go right to the garbage. Well, that's the thing too. If you're going to complain, you also, I think, I think... You should generally try and come with a solution or just... <laughs> we literally had that on a sheet. Like, not this talk. is the problem. This is a suggested solution. Yes. Yeah. So you don't get to write a problem without filling out the other yeah. side. Otherwise, Absolutely. I, I tell my guys, like, if you come and complain and you don't have a solution, then you're just bitching. Yeah. We don't have that here. Yeah. I don't have right? time for that. <laughs> we don't have time for that. Yeah. So come to me with, this doesn't work. Can we try this? Well, yeah. I'm totally game for sure. that. Sure. Yeah. Let's do it. I, uh, um, with the business mentoring, mm-hmm. we had all kinds of challenges in my, my regular daytime job prior to bringing in a consultant. I'm like a huge proponent of coaches, mentors, mm-hmm. um, any of that kind of stuff because there's no way you can know everything you need to know to run a business. I think people that have a master's in business don't know everything Mm-mm. they need to to run a business and you need to bring in people that help you communicate or understand how someone else communicates. Mm-hmm. And um, we had this, we were just talking about yesterday uh, we have two owners in the company, okay. and then I'm uh, the general manager, and we have a marketing manager. And it used to be we'd get together once a week, and we literally yelled at each other for two hours. Oh. Like, it was miserable. Like, it was just oh, man. nonstop mm-hmm. conflict for, like, I'm talking, like, four years. Ooh. Like, it was ugly. So... Everyone had hurt feelings. Nothing was getting changed. Nothing was growing. We brought in this, uh, and, and I'm not going to describe him very well, foo-foo, tree-hugging kind of mentor. <laughs> but he okay. made us write a test about who our personalities were. Yep. And then oh. he listed out, you know, the wheel with the yep. four colors. Yeah. So we did that. Uh, Briggs and something. Yeah. Uh, Briggs Stratton. No, that's a lawnmower. Uh, Myers-Briggs. Myers-Briggs. Thank you. We did that test, and then... We literally, so three of us were like, one was outside red, one was outside yellow, one was outside green, like very outside of it. Yes. And I'm like, oh, well, that's why we don't communicate because yeah. we're nothing alike. Yes. And then we had one that was close to center being uh, my buddy Lee. Yeah. And so um, he came in, he goes, well, when Chad says this, this is how Kevin hears it. Mm. And when Kevin says this, this is how Kurt hears it. And we went, oh. 
So it took about a year for us yeah. to work on our technique, and then all of a sudden we're communicating really well. Yeah. And then uh, we fired that guy because he was all about hugs and it's just too many hugs. Too many hugs. I mean, I'm a hugger, <laughs> but there's a there's a limit. You know, sometimes you just got to get the job done. <laughs> I don't know what part of my brain broke that. Like, I'm not opposed to hugs, but it just it is never on my radar <laughs> at all. Um, Eric's our hugger. He gets us all like a hundred percent. Love it. Yeah, yeah. He's he's our cuddly one. Um, so yeah, we fired him and then we brought in um, a company called BTA and I wish I could remember what that stands for, um, but they only mentor construction companies. Oh, interesting. Which is what we are. Yeah. And they were outstanding. So my boss and I were sitting in totally different roles now and we we're sitting beside each other and uh, he's like, you know what? I really like how things are going right now. And I'm like, yeah, me too. This is like my favorite time ever for working for you guys. And he goes, this is my favorite time as a boss. And I'm mm-hmm. like, mm. <laughs> I almost felt like giving yeah. him a hug. Yeah. Um, but we <laughs> literally. He's not broken. He's <laughs> not broken. Um, but we literally got to the point, but it was only through mm. mentorship. It would have been us getting fired or quitting yeah. or punching somebody out to uh, without that mentorship yeah. in there. And I don't think enough people... You know, they take the hard way. They're just, they're yeah. doing it. And without good mentors, like, yeah. um, was it Smart Start Mentors yeah. for a new yeah. business? Or even if you're doing your own, like, you really got to find the one that yeah. you match with. Yeah. Well, you can't see the forest through the trees, right? That's it. And it's it's hard to sometimes really look at your business and evaluate it. Especially, I think the amount that you're, you have passion for what you do just makes it, more difficult. So the more you love it, the harder it is to make a real honest, take a real honest view of what you're doing because there's, there's a lot of love and passion in it as well. So, um, you know, having someone to bounce ideas off of, or that you can share things with that can, you know, bring a realistic response and a realistic approach or viewpoint I think is incredibly valuable right. to companies. If you don't see that waterfall at the end of the river, like because you've got yourself face down and yeah. you're paddling as hard as you can, exactly, that's a miserable place to be. Exactly, uh, and you need somebody that has that. Um, yeah, what's that book called? Um, Twenty One Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Oh, I haven't read that one. Uh, John Sounds Maxwell. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, it's a really, really good book. Uh, they have the law of navigation. Okay. Um, and so if you don't know where you're going, you're, you're never going to get there, yeah. right? I mean, you said it earlier. Yeah. Um, that, that's one of the laws. And, you know, law of the lid. Like, you can only be as good as the people that you let be as good as they can be yes. kind of thing, which, yeah. which is amazing. We tried that. It didn't work for us mm-hmm. because there's not that personal... Um, if you're not self-evaluating every day um, in all aspects of your life, and very few people do that, mm-hmm. then that just reading the book isn't going to help. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 You have to be willing to see see the gaps and see where you can improve and, and then be willing to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Having a good coach will definitely get you down that path. Yes. Um, I want to talk about your guys's. I keep calling it a podcast, but it's not really a podcast. Uh, the show Riding in Cars. Right. Yeah, Riding in Cars with Cars. Um, yeah, so <laughs> it actually started as a joke, like all great things, right? Um, we were, I can't remember. I think we shot a quick video in the car. We were on our way to some sort of real estate event. And uh, you know what? I'm probably muddling the story, but we'll go with this version and let Matt correct it. Uh, <laughs> when uh, when he gets his opportunity. But um, so we had posted this video or something 
And another agent was like, oh my God, that's hilarious. Riding in car, riding in the car with the cars, ha ha ha, kind of thing. Yeah. And Matt and I were sort of like, hmm, really? Nice. <laughs> and so we kind of adjusted the title to Riding in Cars with Cars. And we thought this would be a great way to get to know people in our community yeah. and to help people get to know them. Right. So we started, you know, mostly I would say, well, everyone is our friend by the end of it, but, um, <laughs> but we started with, you know, people we've been working with for a long time and had great relationships within the community. And we literally just have like a suction cup on the windshield and the iPhone sits in there. Nice. And we, we have this little mic you can stick into the end of it. So yep. it's good sound. We got one of those. Yeah. Too. They're fantastic. <laughs> they are. And we just hit record. Nice. And we drive around. We've learned a lot of stuff. The first couple of years we would drive kind of just anywhere in Airdrie. But sometimes we're filming in the winter, so ruts on the side streets are no bueno. It's very <laughs> yeah. bumpy. It's not good. Those suction cups don't have Stabilization the, the is not <laughs> a thing go. with those. So, you know, we've learned little things. We take a route kind of usually around the outskirts of the city now. Like, you know, we have a little system that yeah. we follow. But, um, yeah, the whole idea is to help people to get to know who and what is in their community. Because... Like you said, Airdrie's getting really big. Yeah. And there are lots of people that still do commute outside of the city and, you know, come home to eat, sleep, and that's it, right? So we wanted to try and create a way where people could actually... Um, sorry, I that's did finally ding the <laughs> ding the little mic. Eventually we'll holder. get better mics. It's all good. It's, they're fantastic. <laughs> but um, yeah, we wanted to create that opportunity for people and, and help them to get to know the local business owners too. Yeah. You know, these... We're all just humans having, you know, a human experience. We're all just trying to make it through the day. Hopefully we're trying to do it with, you know, we're not making it through, we're making it through, right? Exactly. you know, but, um, we're all people at heart. Yeah. And I think too, sometimes you hear about a business or you hear about, um, a particular person and you're like, but what does that actually mean? What do they actually do? Right. Why would I have them? Tony Gaze for, for instance. Yeah. Yeah. Canvas. Yeah. 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 Like, uh, like what, why would I, why would I call Tony? Like, what would I need? Oh, Oh, that's who I can get to fix my awning. Oh, right. yeah, like that's the whole. And I didn't half the time I'm learning just as much as the viewer yeah. is because I'm asking these questions as well. And to me, it's also the, you know, the forward thinking of businesses. Like yeah. um, we just had um, Roger Foster from Tires on the Run in the car. It's awesome. Amazing guy yeah. and brilliant. He's coming Tuesday to put our winters on. Nice, <laughs> nice. Matt uh, texted him like right after. He's like, I need to book an appointment also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, like that's just a really cool business model to see a gap and go, hey, I could actually just go to people's houses and put on their winter tires or there. Or to their work or to Or to cross they're... iron. I was <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. While they're shopping. I'm in for that. Yeah. But uh, so it's just learning about how people got started and why they do that business or, you know, the person behind the counter, if you will. Yeah. You know, so we've had, well, I think it's up to 30 or so. Nice. Uh, we're in season four now. Yeah. So we started it in the spring um, a couple of years ago and we did about 16 episodes or so. And that was a lot because yeah. um, I was I was editing them all for a long time and it's a lot yeah, of work. Yeah. Um, so we got better at our system and then we broke for the summer, started up again in the fall, usually kind of mid to late September. And then we go to December, mid December usually. 
again, about 13 episodes. And then we break and start again in the following spring, March, April. And the goal is to always be done before the end of school, so mid-June. Yeah. And then we start after school started, kind of idea break for summer. And then you just post them once a week? Yep, they're weekly episodes. They always go live at 10 a.m. on Friday on Facebook. Awesome. And then we post them to our YouTube channel as well. Yep. And um, yeah, we just we encourage people to like it and share it and you know, let people know like who's in their city and what they're about. I think it's brilliant. I mean, obviously the podcast, I want to know, I want to know everything. I I just, I've never done learning. I never done wanting to know what people, Mm -hmm. you know, why they do things. And, and I've had the opportunity to meet Tony back when he was an RV repair guy. Yeah. Um, uh, I've known him for quite a few years and he was awesome back then. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I love this. And actually the, the last podcast we just, uh, uploaded, um, Kurt Killen. He was talking about that's why he loves um, this podcast so much is because it's all, you know, Calgary, Alberta, Airdrie yeah. people um, that uh, no one really understands how much talent we have here. How yeah. many cool opportunities yeah. there are. Like, this is an amazing... Airdrie as a whole has so much talent. Mm-hmm. Like, it's amazing. It blows my mind. Like, we have filmmakers here and yes, theater companies do. and... Mm-hmm. Uh, um, What's his name? Mitch George, Mitchell George. Yep. Uh, filmmaking. He's just going to do a horror film coming up. I yeah. asked him if I could play like a Jason type killer in it. Love it. <laughs> Love it. I don't it. think he's going to go that route. But um, yeah, we we have rappers and singers mm-hmm. and bands and um, yeah, the talent in this town blows my mind. It's, it's incredible. It's never ending. So on my way here, I decided to stop and grab a coffee. And the gal at the Starbucks window was like, oh, so what, what do you have going on today? Yeah. And I said, I'm actually about to go and record a podcast. I'm a guest on a podcast. And she goes, well, that's cool. And I said, yeah, I've, I've never done it before. Like I've hosted hours, but I've, I've never been someone's the guest. guest. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'm not sure what to expect. I'm sure it'll be great. And she tells me that there's two gentlemen that come in Saturday morning when they first open up. They go to our church. Do they really? Yeah. And they record a podcast there. Aaron and Abe, 2A Street. They've been on my podcast. That I was, I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to find out who that is. I'm just going to creep into Starbucks one morning. And then I would have been like, oh, hey. But uh, yeah, so, but that that's what's so amazing. Yeah. Like here we are thinking, oh, we're just little Airdrie. But we have people that are building podcasts yeah. and we have filmmakers and we have, you know, just everything. We have incredible artists, incredible business people. Yep. There is so much in this city. And if you just take a second and look under, you'd be shocked. Yeah. No, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Uh, it's awesome. So I'll go back to that other podcast, the 2A Street, quickly. Because yeah. when I was uh, thinking about doing this, I was didn't know anything about podcast. Nothing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I found out through a uh, uh, venue church that Aaron had. So I messaged him, found out it's 2A Street. I listened to a bunch of episodes. Um, Aaron and Abe are two awesome guys. Aaron's actually in the media business like he does I think films and he's a tech guy or an editor or something like that Um, so he was really well versed and I'm like hey can I buy you a coffee and you just and so he literally laid everything out this is all you gotta do I'm like oh so he's one of the reasons why we actually have this podcast up and running amazing and then uh, Abe um, I can never pronounce his last name right Um, anyways he's got his own thing where he's like building up the youth in uh, Airdrie Mm -hmm. he's got a youth group where he teaches them multimedia stuff oh Uh, wow so he's just 
an amazing guy. Like he's super shy, but when he's around his group of teens, like yeah. he is outstanding. Yeah. So listen to him uh, or check out 2A Street and you can find out all the yeah. for those guys. Do you find yourself, now that you're in the podcast world, do you, for me... We used to have so many TV shows, you know, there was like 17,000 things that I was watching and recording. I, I was going to say taping. <laughs> you did recording. that too, though. Right? I also did yeah. that. Um, but all these shows, and now I find I'm watching less and less television, but I feel like I have all these podcasts that are yeah. like, unlistened, unlistened. And I'm like, ah, I need like a lot of car rides so I can listen to all of these. Or like when I'm getting ready in the morning, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I feel like I'm always trying to catch up because there's so many great ones. Do you ever feel overwhelmed? with that? Uh, not, I wouldn't say overwhelmed. I have my favorites and I yes. get them in as they come in. The nice thing is you can listen to them anytime. So yeah. if I'm going to the gym mm-hmm. or for a walk or drive to work or whatever, yes. we've canceled our cable. Like we don't yeah. watch TV shows. Yep. Um, I paid for Telus for I don't know how many years uh, so I could watch two channels. Mm-hmm. I want to watch the UFC prelims and UFC fight night. That's it. <laughs> I'm paying 80 or $90 a month to yeah. watch that. I'm like, I'm done with you guys so anyways i won't rant about that right now but i have you know a dozen podcasts and they're all for different reasons yeah um and when uh whenever that reason comes up if i go on long trips it's uh, stuff you want to know yeah and so i don't know if you've heard of that podcast it's two guys they've been doing it for like 12 years is it red yep yeah i have i have that one in my list they are like how do I describe this? Like um, Mr. Rogers Neighborhood Goober type, yes. but so much good information. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, They're really interesting. I would love to meet those guys. Yeah. I've probably listened to a thousand mm. episodes uh, and learned so much from them. Yes. I love the Joe Rogan podcast. That's that's uh, Matt loves that one too. Very, very top of my life. I don't like listening to them get drunk and high. And like when he well, brings in his yeah, buddies and it gets wrecked, I'm like, eh, listen for a couple minutes. Okay, it's not funny anymore. Okay, next episode. Go. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's yeah. a great thing about it. But um, uh, who else? Uh, Russell Brand. Have you heard his? No, but I would love to. I He's fascinating to listen to. He is so smart. He, he went through his whole drug, mm-hmm. sex addiction thing, came mm-hmm. out. He went back to university to get his degree in theology and psychology. Wow. And so now he's three years in or two and a half years in. Yeah. Um, he's bringing his professors on and people that are theologists huh. or psychologists and they're talking about this. And then just he brings on amazing authors and uh, yeah. so it'll blow your mind how good Oh, I would love is. that. I, I've heard him interviewed on other podcasts and just his vocabulary is just staggering. But it's it's brilliant. It's beautiful. Right. Like the way he words things yep. is just beautiful. Yep. So I would I'm definitely gonna look that one up. He's like a poet. Yes. And I think comics, as much as they are like the dick and fart joke guys, <laughs> they're so well read and their vocabulary yeah. is outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, you have no idea how smart those people really are. You so have you, to be. I've had five or six comics on Yeah. And, and you are also kind of going into that world a little bit. I, I've been writing. I haven't been doing it. Hey, that's, so. that's getting in the world. <laughs> yeah, I that guess counts. So. Um, but they're never, they're not funny. I shouldn't say they're not. They're not funny when you meet them face to face. They can be funny, but yeah. that's not who they are as a person. It's a job for most yes. of them, and they're excellent at their job. Yes, but they're well read, well spoken. They have tragedies. They have mm-hmm. you know all these life experiences, and they get to share it on my podcast yeah. for one. And and it's been amazing every time I have them on. So. I always I've always heard that comedy is actually harder than um, 
sadness. Like if you're trying to portray one or the other in film, theater, whatever, which makes complete sense. Like, you know, it's, I don't want to say it's easy to cry or whatever, but I think trying to get other people to laugh is a very difficult thing. And I wonder with comedians, you know, if you're up on stage, you write these jokes. Like, I mean, it's, it's a job, it's a process like anything else. Yeah. And then when they sit down, you know, they go out for beers with their buddies or they come to someone's party or whatever. Is there like this pressure (laughs) to be funny, funny, right? (laughs) Just like, you know, people watch what the nutritionist, you know, orders at the restaurant. (laughs) Do people wait for the comedian to like light up the show? Like, I just, I wonder what that must be like. I, I, because I listen to so many comedians from the Joe Rogan podcast and a couple of the other ones. Some of them are naturally that way. I've heard that about Brian Callen and Theo Vaughn. Like they are just funny all the time. Yeah. They're never not being silly, joking, yeah. having a good time. They're the life of the party. Mm-hmm. But there's other ones that are just, you know, they're super smart, well-read, and they're like, I know I can make people laugh. Yeah. And they just put those words in a certain line, and they time it just right, and then everyone laughs. Yes. And it's just, a, uh, it's one of those artistic systems that they figured yes. it out. Yeah. I just saw Steve Martin started a master class on comedy. Oh, that would be incredible. Yeah, and I've been told no one can teach you comedy. Like, the only way to do comedy is stand up there and just eat that big bucket of dog crap that's going to happen to you the first couple times and then work to not do that again. Yeah. That's yeah. the only way to learn comedy. But I, I might buy the Steve Martin thing. That could be very cool. I think so. I think, you know, part of it is obviously timing and topical and, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. But um, there's some stuff that, you know, you just sort of have to stand there, like you say, and... See if it flies. Yeah, they right? call it eating dog shit. Yeah, love <laughs> it. Just it happens, right? And you can. We recently did a, mm-hmm. a five for five speech, and yes. I and uh, probably about two minutes in, I could start feeling what the audience was yes. doing. Which uh, I mean, this is really my first speech. So, mm-hmm. um, it took me a couple of minutes to sort of get the feel of what right. was going on. Um, but they have to be hyper aware all the time. And it's just the only way you can do that is by doing that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You ever thought about doing comedy? Because you do public speaking. Um, I've, I've had people say that or suggest that. To be honest, it feels like a big weight to make people laugh. Yes. Like if we're just sitting around chatting or whatever, like... I, I, I like to see people laugh and right. I like to have fun and that kind of thing, but there's no pressure. Right. You know? And so I don't know. I think if I was thrown into it and it was like life or death or something like that, I'm sure I could come up with something on the spot, yeah. but I don't, I don't know if I would ever pursue it completely. Cause I, the best stuff. So I'll give you a great example. Um, I'm emceeing the Airdrie business awards on the 24th of October. I hope that's correct. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's a Thursday. So it's my third year emceeing it. So of course, when I prepare for it, they have a certain amount of scripted stuff that I say about, you know, the various sponsors and you have to tell people where the bathroom is and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But there's always moments that just happen naturally. And I can't fully recall most of them. And I definitely didn't plan for them, but they just happened. And it's because of the audience or the topic, you know, at hand. Like I made a joke about, because it was right around the time that marijuana was legalized last year. Yeah. So um, I I don't remember what I said. So it was some joke about that. Um, 
and and it was having to do with that it's legalized now or whatever. And it just it just came out like it just worked with what was happening with the audience and what was being talked about and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. I could not have planned it. Yeah. And I don't even recall it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So for me, it's the sponta- spontaneity of it and yeah. being spontaneous with the comedy. And if something funny happens, then it happens. Yeah. And, you know, you just kind of let it go that way. There's something addictive about making people laugh. Yes. That you can't get. Like, I think you could probably get it from inspiring people. Yeah. But you don't see that right away. No. Where you see the yes. laugh, you feel that yes. energy. Like I know yeah. when I'm in groups and we're mm-hmm. talking and I get a laugh out of the group. And again, it's not planned. It's just like I see something silly and I say it and then I get that laugh. It feels amazing. Yes. Where you're like, hey, what's the next thing I can yeah. say? Um, and I try not to because you don't want to be that goober that's always like, trying to. <laughs> you're like, okay, we're just trying to have a meeting here. Exactly. But uh, you're right, though. It's sort of addictive. Yeah. And that's one thing I tell people um, when I'm helping them prepare to do a talk is that the audience is going to look at you bored. Yep. The entire time. And nobody told me that. Yeah. And I wish someone had because you literally, you're standing up there and you're talking and sometimes you're talking about something, you know, personal or really serious or trying to be really inspirational and everyone just (laughs) stares at you and you're like do they hate everything i'm saying (laughs) are they listening are they awake and then it's afterwards when people come up to you like oh that was really great i really enjoyed it and you're like i thought you were sleeping with your eyes open (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, because and i really attribute it to the fact that people are processing you know and i think a lot of times they are especially if it's like a business topic or something like that they're trying to process what you're saying yeah um but because of that, if I'm in the audience, I smile. Right. I make an effort to smile at the person speaking on stage yeah. because it's hard to look out a sea of. <laughs> the whole I, totally time. Get it. I uh, when I did my five for five, yes. uh, um, at the very end, I had said something, and it everyone laughed, mm-hmm. and it took me a second to figure out why they laughed. Like literally half a second, I went. Oh, I didn't even realize that was... Like, I you didn't weren't even write, trying. I wasn't even trying to. Yeah. But uh, yeah. that that's fun when you get that. Mm. Other. But a comic doesn't get that, right? People paying and they're like, make me laugh, funny boy. Yeah. And going after that. So I, I think you have to really dedicate yourself. It's like saying, yes. I want to be a part-time fighter. That's not going to go well. No. It's like being a part-time comic, you're going to eat crap yeah. almost every time. Yeah, like you have to not, practice it. If you're not willing to dedicate three or four nights a week mm-hmm. to going up there and practicing the jokes yeah. and, and getting your time, then it's not. So that that's my only yeah. holdback. I think I could make time to write. Um, I have enough experience and people around me that I could pull information out. Yeah. But how do I get out three nights a week? Yeah. Right? That's, yeah. that's it. It's just, no, there's never enough time in the day. I think that's really wise though, yeah. you know, cause you, you understand what it takes to really pursue this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think I kind of think of something like karate or judo. Or I don't, I don't know anything about martial arts, <laughs> but I know there's belts yeah. cause that's like a fashion reference. So I get it, <laughs> but like, you can't just show up and be like, yeah, I'm totally going to get a black belt and go once a month. If you feel yeah, like it took you a hundred years. Exactly. To get <laughs> so it's the same idea. Like there's certain things that you just have to commit to the time. Right. And it doesn't mean it, writers often will say this. They just sit down and they write for an hour a day or they do 300 words a day, whether they edit and delete all 300 of those words a month yeah. from now, 
they still produce the same goal every single day. Because there's certain things you just have to do every single day. Uh, if you want to be good at them, you yeah. have to. We had uh, Andy Caselli on uh, the podcast. Mm-hmm. He's a teacher and an author. Yes. And he threw his first book out. Yeah. He's like, no. I listened to that. I was like, what? Why did <laughs> you throw that away? Thing. Save like, it. <laughs> if there was 10 people that liked that story... Why didn't you put it out? Yeah. And he's like, no, it just wasn't what I wanted. And I yeah. hear that about a lot of writers. Uh, I know Joe Rogan. He writes every day. Yeah. And he goes, most of it just gets, you know, he doesn't throw it out, but it gets put into a file. Yeah. And then, you know, he labels them. So we've ever, you know, whatever, talking about landscaping. Yeah. No, what have I written about landscaping? And yeah. he pulls it, oh, is there a joke in there? No, there's no joke no. in there. It moves yeah. on. So I don't know. The, the making time to write, I think, would be, I think it would be a fun challenge anyways, yes. whether no one saw it, because yeah. to be able to put stuff to pen and paper, to the keyboard, mm-hmm. and to see it. Yeah. You know, I'm in construction. There's nothing better than watching something being put together yes. for me. To do that in in a, a digital way or a written way, I think would be pretty amazing. Yeah, too. it's building a craft, right? You yeah, gotta yeah. gotta work on that. So I need to have enough money that I don't have to go to work every day. I like my job. Yeah. I'm not looking to yeah. quit. No, but if I could, do, there's ten other things I'd rather do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One day, right? One day we're working on it. What have we missed? I've got everything. MichelleCar.com. We did YouTube. Smart mentors. Women in business. Is there anything you want to share? Uh, we talked about Airdrie Angel. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, So Airdrie Angel is a charity that Matt and I started in 2013. um, And it's... The whole purpose of it was to lift the spirits of someone going through a difficult time through Mm -hmm. no fault of their own. And... um, it started, we were actually at a conference about sponsorship and um, part of the conference was for companies that were looking to sponsor and what they should look for in utilizing their sponsorship dollars. And the other one was for people asking for sponsorships and how to structure that and, you know, make that work. Nice. So it's a really interesting conference and uh, we're driving to the second day of it. It was down in the south of Calgary. I don't even remember exactly where. And uh, we're headed down there. And I remember we were right by Douglas Dale. And Matt goes, well, what if we, you know, created a, a charity that that helped people? And I, I don't know if he said Airdrie Angel at the time or what, because we were thinking like, how do you be more effective mm-hmm. at giving back? Um, and it, it, there's there's so many ways to give back. But we were questioning, how can we make a better impact? Yeah. So we're driving along and Matt says, what if we did something that helped people out that were going through a difficult time and we could do it on the radio like CJ92 uh, with their secret wish. And so the backstory to that is that Matt had first heard the secret wish um, when he first moved to Calgary. So he's, he tells the story of driving down 16th Ave, crying mm. like a baby, listening to this story because it was so moving. And so he, his reference was, what if we did something like that? And I'm, you know, the analytical A to Z thinker. And I'm like, well, we don't have a radio station. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, but we're, we're advertising on the radio. We have commercials. Yeah. And then we started talking. Well, what if we took these commercials, 30-second bits, and mushed them into a five-minute segment once a month as opposed to saying, come buy a house with us, you know, <laughs> right. three times a day. Yeah. So we pitched it to the station and they were like, yeah, this is amazing. So it 
was kind of born from there and we started to um, create it and put it together and build up our sponsors and everything. Awesome. And um, I mean, it, we've gone through various changes over the years. We were with the radio station for a bit and then we moved away from that. Um, we did more video a few years ago and now we've just started a podcast version of it. And we're, you know, it's like anything, you're kind of figuring out what the best approach is. Um, so that's, that's where we're at right now, but we've to date, uh, we've helped over a hundred families. I think October will be our 102nd and 103rd families that we've helped. And it's, this will be over $195,000 in cash and gifts to our recipients. Very, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, similar to the Tony Robbins story. Have you heard that? I don't know if I've heard this one. So Tony Robbins comes from a very, very poor family. Yes. Yep. Um, and somebody had come to his house knowing that they were poor mm-hmm. and gave them a full Christmas dinner. Right. And uh, his dad turned them away, <gasps> said, oh. I don't need your charity. Get the hell out of my... Boom, kicks them out. Oh, no. And Tony sat back hungry thinking, how ridiculous is this? Mm. And so when he went to college, his only goal was, I'm going to work enough, I can give one family Christmas. And so he did. Yeah. And then the next year or next semester, he's like, I need to work on getting enough money for five families. Mm -hmm. And so all of his, like this is what we're talking about earlier, what's your goal? Yeah. That drove him to where he is now because he he serves something like 200,000 Christmases every... Like, it's a ridiculous number. But it was all driven off that, you know, that sad story, seeing something horrible happening, like, I'm not going to let this happen to other people. Exactly. And uh, did it. And uh, I love those stories. I I hate to admit that I cry, but... Oh, yeah. You hear some of these stories coming uh, across the radio or the the 105... um, Their radiothon. Radiothon. I had to stop. Me too. I couldn't go into people. Like I was doing sales at the time. Yeah. And I was literally like wiping tears off my face as I'm knocking on the door. Would you like to buy some spray foam? I'm surprised more crashes don't occur oh, from tears in people's eyes. I mean, it's incredible, the stories. Yeah. And, you know, I I have the opportunity to meet with a lot of our recipients and deliver the packages. It's shifted over the years, but recently I've been doing that. And, I mean... Th- these people are just just trying to do their best, right? And when they have that reprieve, yeah, it just it means the world. I literally dropped off a package before I came here today. Nice. And um, she said, you know, this this is just going to make such a difference for us. And the whole point of Airdrie Angel is to catch people that are in between other organizations. Yeah. So, like for example. There's tons of fundraisers for medical ailments, mm-hmm. be it cancer, ALS, whatever, you name it. There's loads of them out there. And those are fantastic for, you know, research and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but what about the person who, like, was diagnosed last month? Right. Or one of our recipients <clears throat> in September had it three times and wow. is like, Hopefully, fingers crossed, I ran into her son and um, the results from her last uh, scan were that the tumor had uh, minimized quite a bit from what I recall. So, you know, what about that woman though? Yeah. You know, like it's great to do research and, you know, find cures and all that kind of stuff. But right now she's going in for cancer treatments. Yeah. She's driving into the hospital. It's hard to make the meals, whatever the case may be. Right. How do we help her? 
today. Yeah. Um, you know, and we have incredible organizations. The community links is incredible. Yeah. They're brilliant. Amazing. We've got the food bank, we've got, um, Advast, like there's so many great organizations and they help people in lots of different ways. Yeah. We're trying to catch anyone that's in between those. I think it's great that you guys are doing it. We were part of an organization called Crew, Caring Response in Every Way. It was started out at the Airdrie Alliance Church by Kelvin Kerr, uh, I want to say like 15 years ago. And so I volunteered for them, and, and there's was a little bit different where people that couldn't, you know, he had 90 volunteers that did a bunch of different things. So, you know, how do the elderly, um, sick people that need to move get to move? They got no family, they Mm -hmm. got no nothing. So we would get five or six people together and go move them. Um, You know, if they needed a door repaired, I'm in construction, so I think fix almost anything. And so if someone phones, is like, I bought the new tap. I just, I, I can't get it on. So yeah. you go, we would go and do that. Yeah. And then I took over for wow. him for about a year and a half, two years. And I, I can't even remember all the stats of it. But eventually it, it just sort of petered out, the, the volunteers. We weren't fundraising mm. that well. It, we knew nothing about the right way to run a charity like that. Um, we were just kind of making it up as we go. So yeah. it was so good to hear someone else has um, found that passion yeah. and gone after and helping yeah. those people out. Well, and it's, it's, I mean, it's taken years. We're seven years in. And, you know, over the years we've built processes and, yeah. you know, steps and a database. And, like, it was just little by little. And it was a lot of, you know, by the seat of our pants in the beginning. And I, uh, I always joke, uh, Trevor and Susie with Switchback Creative, our partners. And so before we met them, I had done a horrendous, horrendous website (laughs) on, I don't know, whatever.com. And it was just hideous, but it was, it was what I, it was what I knew. I I could figure that out. We needed to have something. Okay, sure. And so we eventually partnered with Susie and Trevor and they have a marketing and media company and Trevor builds websites. So he built Angel and Matt was like, I want something cool and I want it to be different. And so back and forth, back and forth, Trevor builds this thing, flips open the laptop word OJ's. We always meet at OJ's. Yeah. And uh, flips Great open. Restaurant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and flips it open, shows it to Matt, and Matt starts laughing. And Trevor, if, if he tells you the story, he'll be like, I was so scared. I thought he hated it. <laughs> But Matt loved it. That's yeah. why he was laughing. He's like, this is what I wanted. This is exactly it. <laughs> and awesome. it was just, it was an animated airplane flying by. Like it was nothing super crazy, but it was a bit different than what we had seen to that point yeah. on the internet. Um, and then he just totally redesigned it. And there's a whole bunch of big words about web design and that kind of stuff yeah. that I don't understand. Oh, there you go. Yeah. We'll yeah. So we still, we still have the. Go to the camera to me, Eric. Yeah. There you go. So yeah, so we still have uh, the <laughs> so plane cute. there, but I mean, I don't know. It's super responsive. Or Trevor is much better to talk about it than me. Yeah, but there's a lot of big words, and it's cool. <laughs> it's cool is what I need I to know. know. <laughs> I think that's so great when you get to partner with mm. people that are experts and they're willing to yeah. help and be part. And that's another great part of Airdrie. Yes, is that the amount of people that give here is it, it blows my mind. Yes. Airdrie dads every Christmas they give away. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's ten or twelve thousand dollars. Maybe maybe <sighs> it's even higher wow. than that. But it's all raised yes. through the Airdrie dads and they yeah. fund it together and they buy people Christmas and dinners yeah. and presents. And we come together. We do. We, we, we got a brilliant town that way. Mm-hmm. If we can work on a few of our issues, I <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm helping out with the uh, 2020 winter games. Okay. So it's the youth uh, winter games. Nice. Uh, kids are 13 to 17, I believe. 
I was part of the 2014 Summer Games when they were here. And um, so I'm helping these guys out a little bit. And uh, like getting volunteers is always a big challenge because you need thousands of them for, you know, probably 1,500 to 2,000. Wow. uh, Maybe more for, for... games like this like there's there's so many events there's so many venues there's so many literally of everything there's just so many of them yeah (laughs) and one of the things that really stood out for me when I did them was that weekend of the games like there is nothing like walking into the food center or walking into you know a a sport venue or something like that and there's just a buzz and a feel of people so like I think sometimes we can maybe get tired with all the volunteer and all the stuff that is available and that we need help with in this city, but it's so gratifying. Yes. Even if you can give a couple of hours, there's nothing like being there and seeing like even scooping potatoes for the athletes at the food center. Right. These kids, some of them might be doing this for the only time they'll ever do it in their life. Right. Or the last time. Because of course, once they age out of that program, I believe Olympics is kind of the next level after that. And yeah. so for some of them, that's a big jump. <laughs> may, may or may not happen, right? Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's cool to be a part of that moment with them and see their faces and their excitement. And yeah. It's just a really, really cool experience. So I think, you know, whether you're giving back financially or giving back with time, there's something about it that's so immeasurable that happens inside that it just, it has such tremendous value. It's really cool. That's a great word, immeasurable, Mm. because I think there's no good way to uh, describe or to evaluate the good that comes from giving. Um, We talk about this, we do financial peace. We, um, we had a health and wellness uh, course that we facilitated uh, and that giving people and watching them change there's just no measurement for it. Yeah. Like to, to give a little bit of time, to give your money, to give whatever, and you will be repaid. If it's oh, just yeah. in the joy, um, it, it will outweigh yeah. whatever you think you might have lost in that time. Because yeah. what are you going to do? Sit on a couch and watch TV? Come on. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you just enough of that. You never know what people are going through, right? So if you yeah. can make their day a bit better. That's it. That's yeah. it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This yeah. has been amazing. Yeah. We'll definitely have you back and get updates on, on everything that you're doing. All the things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is uh, Eric writing down? Energy Angels. Car- oh, you're making notes for the show. Thank nice. you. You're awesome. Nice. I need an Eric. <laughs> yeah. I he, asked him if he was available for hire, and he said yes. Yes. I immediately uh, love the entrepreneurial spirit of that. <laughs> eventually, in the future, we're going to have Monkey Productions, and uh, yes. Eric will be uh, running his own business before he graduates. He is the entrepreneur. So I got to tell this story because yeah. it will embarrass him. And <laughs> So last year in school, he was looking for ways of making money. And so he was buying and selling candy at school. Um, The the, What is the snack shop it's called? Snack Shack. Snack Shack would sell it and he would go buy more candy and package it up and sell and make good money. He started by stealing my Zevias, the 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 Zevias, and selling them on the bus for four bucks. Right, and then all of a sudden he's got bucket loads of money, and I've got no Zevia. So I'm like, dude, (laughs) I'm totally good with you doing this. Just you got to pay me for the Zevia. Yeah, (laughs) so there's a profit margin here, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, and then the teachers started getting mad because they were selling more than I think the school was, and he's like, "What should I do?" I'm like, "Whatever you want. It's all good. If you get in trouble, I got your back, dude. It's all entrepreneurial. Yeah, if you can out sell Snack Shop." 
I think Snack Shop needs to hire you as a manager. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, that's that's awesome. This has been really fun. So awesome. thank you for having me. Anytime. Uh, yeah, if anything big's coming up, let us know. We'll Come do. back on and uh, maybe then we'll bring Matt in next time. Yeah. And we can yeah. talk about all these again. So everyone, uh, thank you. Uh, please share. Um, we'll see you on social media. Oh, no, this, never mind. I'll talk about it, talk about it later. <laughs> you want to go to outro, please?